the Dinosaur Dinos would like to announce a renaming. We recently secured a sponsorship with Taco Bell. We are now the Dinosaur Tacos. <laughs> Welcome to the Ice Garden. Vous écoutez the Ice Garden. Ito ang Ice Garden. Juan ang nidal the Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Ice Garden. Atem azanim ladan na kana. Vous écoutez the Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Добро пожаловать в Ice Garden. Bienvenido al jardín. Welcome to the Ice Garden. You're listening to the Ice Garden. This, this, this is the Ice Garden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf, where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis. You're with your co-host, Michelle J. Michelle, How's your what day? It's a Tuesday. How's your Tuesday going? We record every Always Tuesday. Tuesday. Every week we record um, every. So. My Tuesday's going pretty well. Good. Had a giant plate of pasta for dinner, and yeah. How is your Tuesday going? Pretty good. Um, I'm actually a little bit sick, so that's not great, but. I've been binge-watching How to Get Away with Murder today, so that's been fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. What did you have for dinner? Uh, trail mix and sun chips. Yum. So not the most healthy meal, but... I think if you're sick, you're supposed to have something like soup. I meant to get chicken noodle soup when I went out to CVS today, and then I saw the personal pan pizzas instead, and so mm. I bought one of those and had that for lunch, and then okay. I've just been snacking for dinner, so... That's just valid. I had soup yesterday, so that's my contribution. (sighs) Um, We're not toasting anyone this week. Well, no, we are toasting people this week. We're toasting ourselves. (laughs) That only sounds slightly conceited. Listen, there's not a whole lot going on in the summer, so I feel like our options for toasting are slimmer than usual. We could probably come up with something if we really thought about it but we didn't I don't neither of us really planned that far ahead in advance for tonight's episode so or at least I didn't uh yeah I didn't really at all so we're gonna skip the toast and today we're going to talk about the mock draft that we did last week Um, It's on the Ice Garden. If you have not read the story already, there were six of us from the Ice Garden staff who drafted dream teams, essentially. Michelle, do you want to go over what the rules were? Yeah. Um, So basically, we just imagined that there was one women's professional hockey league that operated as the NHL. Um, So, you know, none of this... Uh, we only have, you know, players have to play in specific places. Um, it, we decided that, well, by we, I mean I, um, as I was the commissioner, decided that all of the teams had to be located in North America. Um, this was mostly to ensure that Meredith Foster didn't try to put a team in Finland. I think it would have been more interesting if we had opened it up worldwide. I feel like we would have had a lot of teams in different places. Yeah, but see, I wanted to keep it, like, mildly realistic. That's like, a- it needed to be based in some sort of realistic. 
because I also like thought that maybe at some point someone other than Mike would have like not just gone for the joke of where to put a team. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas the other five of us made jokes out of where we placed our teams. Um, uh, so that was our location rule. And then um, the player had to be eligible to play in a North American-based professional league. Um, so this means they needed to not have retired. So uh, much to Hannah's upsetness, Kelly Stedman was not eligible. I was very upset. Like, I'm still mad about that. Still now. Uh, and the player also could not be a college player, obviously, because that would rule them. Well, they could, I guess, play in a professional league in college and lose their eligibility. But for the sake of the argument and to kind of keep the pool down a little bit, uh, we decided to go with actively eligible for a North American-based league. Which also included college seniors who had just graduated this past year. Yeah. Um, so like one of my draft picks was Annie Pankowski, who was eligible. Um, national champion, Annie Pankowski. Yes. What other stipulations? I don't think I put any other stipulations on it really, did I? I don't think so. Um, what else? It was pretty wide open as far as, like we didn't put rules on like how many, like, how many forwards or how many defenders or how many goalies you had to draft. We all had six picks, so it was create a starting lineup, essentially. In theory, it was supposed to be create a starting lineup. I think that's why how Mike pitched six rounds to me, because initially it was just five rounds. Because mm-hmm. the goal, my goal, was for it to be done speedily. But Mike was like, well, what if I want to make a starting lineup? And I was like, fine. But then I didn't make a starting lineup. I mean, you did. I made a team. A la, oh, who was the who was the inferno coach, Shannon Miller, who yeah. who used to run the four forwards one D. My goalie, yeah. yeah, that's basically. We got to the fifth round, and I realized I draft four forwards and a goalie and no defender. Uh, I guess the last round, the sixth round. Um, oh, it was a snake style draft, which I learned about at the beginning. Um, do you want to explain that for people who might not have heard? Do you want to yeah, try so- to explain that? Uh, from what I like, it, so you go like one through six, which was drawn out of a Calgary Inferno, Inferno baseball hat by Inferny. me. Yeah, Inferno. Uh, I put everybody's names in a hat and draw, drew them out. So like one through six went for the first round, and then for the second round, we went backwards six through one, and then the third round was one through six. So like it snakes, mm-hmm. I guess. So if like, you draw it. If you were drafted first or last at one point, you would get to pick two players in a row. I would like to do this again at some point and draft like a full team. I just think you'd have to put in, I think, a lot more time into like figuring out. Because like even just trying to do starting lineup, it got tough based on it. I don't know. It makes me kind of appreciate the like the big drafts more. Because you really do have to, like, react to other teams picking players that you want. Or, yeah. like, I like I auto-drafted for the first three rounds because I was on a plane and then I landed halfway through the draft. 
And so I had to catch up and figure out, okay, like, should I draft a goalie this round or a defender? Who's left? Like, what? who might other teams pick? Because, like, what positions do they have open? So. Oh, definitely. And I think we would need, like, just straight up more time mm-hmm. as, like, a group collectively to make our team, like, to, like, do the draft. I'm pulling out a calculator because, so the six of us drafted six players, so that's 36 players total that we picked if we were to both if we were to draft like total like what 20 players two goalies six defenders 12 forwards yeah that's 20 120 people yeah so significantly more players and let me tell you the six round six person draft took so long sometimes (laughs) we're a chatty group and, like, I tried to make it so that way everybody only had, like, a minute on the clock. And, like, I asked everybody to come in with, like, players they wanted to, like, an order of players they wanted to draft with, like, some semblance of something to, like, keep the game, keep the draft moving along. Because um, we started it at, like, 8 o'clock last Tuesday night. And I didn't need to be sitting at my computer until, like, 11 o'clock <laughs> dealing with this draft. Not that it wasn't fun and, like, a really, really fun and interesting exercise. I just wanted it to move along. Well, um, yeah, yeah, and I think we were doing it over Slack, too, so I think, yeah. like, some of us were doing it on top of, like, also getting distracted and doing other things or being on Twitter or whatever, so. Uh, I would also like to open it up to, like, more than just six people because I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is that, like, with six play- with six teams, like, there were a wealth of people that we missed oh my god so many and like i also found it was very like found everybody's draftings very interesting like hillary knight fell to like the seventh pick who picked her mike mike in the second round the thing is is she wasn't that high because like i made my list ahead of time because i thought i was going to miss the whole draft she was not I think she was like in the teens in my list just because yeah, she was pretty well on your list. If you're looking at like not just North American players but also like European, like Swedish Finnish, like Oh it, yeah, that was the other thing is like we assumed that work visas were easy to get. <laughs> what a what a concept. And there and there were no well we were only drafting 6, but there were no like import rules in terms yeah. of you could only draft x number of international players. Which Meredith Foster took full advantage of and drafted it almost an entire team of just Finnish players took, or just European players. Took all of my top Finnish picks. I was so upset. Um, yeah, I think that was probably the most interesting part to me is that because we didn't have an import rule or work visa issues and had like such a wealth of players some players dropped like probably quote unquote farther down than you think. And also like when I was doing it, I was kind of thinking like, I guess this, it, this wasn't how I drafted, but like, I think the reason that night fell down so low on my list was because I had some younger players up higher. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to draft some up and coming talent versus like, players who are more established but also like towards the end of their careers and I ended up picking like entirely veteran players which was just the way that the draft worked out but that's the the way that my list was originally structured had that in mind I'm gonna try and pull up the original list 
You emailed it to me. Yes, I did. So it should be easy to find. In theory, yes. Um, Draft list. How, so talk, can you talk a little bit more about like how you came up with your draft list or like what you were kind of thinking coming up with that? So I knew, like I know the U.S. players pretty well. I know the Canadian players okay. Um, What I did kind of to do like some research beforehand was I looked up who were the top performers at the last Olympics because that gave me kind kind of like a wider look of who the best of the best were across the country. And like, but like also it made me upset then too, because we had that college rule. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't draft. um, Alina. Yep. Um, Chloe Erard. Yep. Um, Victoria Bach was okay. Who else was on here? That was a college player. Laura Stalder graduated, right? Or is she still in college? Yeah, because someone took her, I think. Yeah. But so that, like, so kicked a couple of those out. But so I, that's basically how I did most of my research was I looked at the top Olympic performers and I tried to, it was interesting because, like, so the, the first three picks that I, I ended up going first overall and I missed the first three rounds. Which, by the way, I thought was hilarious that somehow you got the first pick. Yeah. Even though you weren't there. Not actually present. It was hilarious. I, like, popped into the Slack channel afterwards, and I was like, holy shit, what did I miss? Is this still going on? Can I take over my draft picks now? Because, like, the first one, two, three, four, the first four players I had were all forwards, and then I had Casey Bellamy, Nora Ratu up top because I knew they would go quickly, and so I wanted to have them near the top of my list. Shannon Zabos was up there. Melody Dau, younger, up and coming, did had a really good Olympics, and it was. I also had to mark like a couple times too, like with um, uh, whichever Lamaru plays defense. I can never remember Jocelyn. Uh, I don't even know. Whichever Lamaru plays defense, I had her as forward because I thought that when she played in the Olympics this past year, she was better as a forward, and I wanted her on like a line with hopefully her sister, which ended up happening. And I also had Gigi Marvin on this list as a forward, too, for the same reason. I like her better when she's on the, the forward position. Um, so I ended up, like, it just went in the order of my draft picks, which was, I guess, good but also unintentional. So I got Brianna Decker with the first overall pick. And then Poulin, who was my second overall, got picked up before I got to draft again. And then By me. By you. <laughs> And then Jocelyn and Monique went right after each other. And then I popped back in and picked up. Um, Because at that point, my original name was the Chicago Comets. And I was going to try and draft, which this was stupid of me. I was like, oh, I'll pick Kendall Coyne because she's speedy and she has the Chicago connection. But, like, I did not put Kendall Coyne towards the top of my list. I don't even know if she's on this list that I emailed you. I don't think she is. Which I'm like... How how did I make that connection and then forget to put her on the list? Stupid. But I got Decker and both Lamaru, so I'm like, okay, they're the Chicago Crushers now. So then I picked up Blake Bolden because, for obvious reasons, she's the hardest shot in the NWHL. And uh, Genevieve Lacasse, because at that point there weren't a ton of goalies left, and she was one of the top ones. And my last defender was... No, you took Emily Falls. Or Lee Stackline was my final one. Because most of the defenders have gone. And again, Lee Stuckline is also a great slap shot. Who was on your team, Michelle? 
Um, so I picked up Marie Philippe, my first pick. Um, what order of the draft were you? Were you second? I was third. Went you, Meredith, me, Casey, Mike, Alini. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I picked up Marie Philippe. I picked up Megan Duggan, Annie Pankowski, uh, Emirates Mashmeyer. Gigi Marvin, and Emily Falzer. Um, Can I ask why you picked Megan Duggan so high in the draft? That surprised me a little bit. Uh, so I didn't have, like, a great strategy coming into this. <laughs> I actually will say I didn't have any strategy coming into this. Okay. Um, despite the fact that I'm the one that came up with like the idea for this i mean mine was loose at best like i didn't spend a ton of time this took maybe like half an hour to throw this list together half an hour to 45 minutes to throw this list together um yeah i would say i spent less than that (laughs) uh so i kind of went for like i once i picked marie philippe i kind of decided i was gonna go for like some star power, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's going to help my marketing, too. Um, and I also picked by players that I really like watching. And I love watching Megan Duggan play. And also, because this is a fictional league, I miss watching her play, so she came back to play. I will say, uh, you did offer to trade Decker for Duggan later in the draft. And I, I did. shut you down hard, because there was no way in hell that was happening. Yes. Um, Although I was upset that you drafted Gigi Marvin because I wanted her on my team. In addition, also, Alini and Mike had just drafted my next three players <laughs> back to back to back. <laughs> who did, I wait, wanted, because one after I got Marie Philippe, I wanted Dao, mm. but then Alini took her. And then I was like, okay, well, then I want Casey. And then Alini took her. And I was like, okay, fine. I want Hillary Knight then. And then Mike <laughs> took her. And I was like, fuck all of you. I wish... just decided to go with Duggan. This is why, this is like partially why I wish, one, we had drafted more players. And two, like, I would have enjoyed like some trade rules. Because like, if we had actually had more time, like maybe this would have to be a more dedicated time to do this. If we were actually doing like a... 10 or 12 round draft and we had like time on the clock where we could like message other GMs and be like, Hey, I'll trade you this overall pick and this player for this person. Like that could seriously rip up the drama. I think. Yeah. I like tried to come up with some and I like was gonna base it off of Will um, Williams fantasy NCAA league where like I assigned dollar values to the players, Mm. but it got that got like way out of hand like really quickly and yeah. I could not handle that much um well then so I didn't it's well then it's like you get into how do you assign them value is it like international points and appearances is it like how many points they've had in pro leagues and different pro leagues at different times exactly. at different levels of skill and it's like it all becomes so subjective like there's not really a clear way to assign a dollar value and like without getting way in over our heads with like the time it, that it would, it would take to do that. Yeah. That's um, yeah. That's where I got ran into trouble. And so then I just said, screw it. And like, couldn't figure out how to assign people dollar values. 
And without doing that, then I felt weird like doing trades. And because it was supposed to just be like kind of a quick, fun little exercise, I just couldn't do any more than that. If you could swap out one of your players for a defender, since you had four forwards in one D, who would you put back into the pool and who would you take on D? Hmm. I'd probably put Duggan back in the pool. Um, she was kind of a panic pick if I'm not <laughs> lying. Like, I just like straight up panicked and didn't know what to do. And you, you straight up panicked and you didn't pick Kelly panic? Yeah. I what straight a- up panicked, looked up, saw a picture of Megan Duggan on my wall and said, oh, I'll take her. <laughs> That's honestly, you guys, that is what how this happened. That makes me so happy. That makes this so much better. Um, who uh, I don't even I mean like Blake, but you took her, but I guess I would have taken Blake before you in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um I was really surprised she fell as far as she did. I didn't pick her until my fourth pick. And so like we had gone three full rounds at that point. And I was really surprised that she was still there. Especially because I feel like the defender group was not quite as deep as the forward group in my eye. Like, I had a a much harder time narrowing down my list of top forwards than I did narrowing down my list of top D. Yeah, it was the overall very tough. I just... Would I, what defender would I have taken? If you had picked Gigi Marvin, wait, you did pick Gigi Marvin. No, but I picked Gigi Marvin as a forward. Mm. You could uh, move her back to D. See, I think she does much better as a forward. I agree. Who would I have taken? Um, that is a very good question. Maybe like Steckline mm. um, or Bozak. Did she go? Did she get drafted? No. Really? So, like, that's what I'm saying is we missed, like, well, A, I think because we, it was such an international pool. hmm I would argue there was, like, a fair amount of, like, that's how a lot of, like, the Team USA or Team Canada players didn't get picked. But that's also part of the reason why I wanted Meredith involved in this. Mm-hmm. Because I did open it up to, like, a worldwide pool of players. The the international and I, by international I mean quote unquote players who aren't from North America on my list were Jenny Hirokoski who went I think first round Petra Niemenen who also got picked up early uh, Rika Valila I'm sorry I did not pronounce that correctly which I think Meredith also took Michelle Carvinen who also went early and that's it because. I think for some reason I thought Lara hadn't graduated. Like, I had just totally blanked that she was playing pro, and so she wasn't on this list. Otherwise, she would have. And, like, Alina Mueller, that's another player who's still in college, who I definitely would have put on this list. But she's not eligible. Yeah, I, like, I made a lot of rules that didn't really make sense sometimes. (laughs) Well, we tried to keep it, like... I don't know. We had to have some rules in it to give it some structure. Like, if it like if it's a quote unquote the one pro league in the U.S., like it makes sense that we don't have college players play because they're going to be in the NCAA. Like they wouldn't yeah. be available. What it what it made me 
think about though was like how like after the draft I looked at my list of players and I was like damn there's still there's still so much talent out here that I want on my mm-hmm. team and it made me think about how like some people talk about like if a, a one league would be like six teams because and Batman I think has said before like he doesn't think there's enough talent in women's hockey or depth in women's hockey to go past six teams and I'm like I call bullshit because we just did one round and I'm like there's still so much yeah up for grabs I think that was like part of well so the part of not not part of the emphasis but like there I came up with this because like the men's not the men's the NHL teams in like the SB Nation NHL brand family were doing a mock draft mm-hmm. via the site manager email and I was like a getting driven nuts by the emails but b like feeling really left out and then c I was like seeing obviously there's all this stuff about like what would one league look like mm-hmm. it like assuming there was no for the game like how many teams would be involved and then I was like well what how could we what could we do to simulate that? And that's how this mock draft kind of fell together, mm-hmm. I guess. We kind of, like, had fun with, like, the names on the locations. Yeah. But, like, if there was actually to be, like, six teams, I don't know if this came up in the Slack or why it's at the front of my mind, but, like, where do you think, like, some actual cities would be where they would play? Oh. <sighs> I think see it's really tough because I feel like there's more than six teams that could have a a women's hockey team or more than six cities that's where I'm like kind of struggling at too is and then like but also if you place too many teams too close to each other Mm -hmm. you're drawing from a similar fan base um I guess i.e. see the pride and the blades problem right I guess my question is like how how close do we try and keep these teams? Is this like busing? But then I'm thinking of like Minnesota. So then like, do we put a team in Chicago, but that's still really far. Do we put a team in like Madison, Wisconsin? That was so, yeah, I guess it would depend on like how are we playing by the current women's professional leagues rules of like being a busing and one plane league. Let's not. Or, Let's not. So I think, like, ideally I could see 10 teams spread across North America. Though looking more a little, looking a little more, like, based around where there's college fan bases. Hmm. Okay. So, like, maybe two in the Midwest. Maybe Madison and... Wisconsin? No, Madison is in Wisconsin. Madison and like the Twin Whitecaps play the Twin Cities, Minnesota. That's what it's called. Yeah, and maybe maybe one in Chicago, but I think that there's not a big enough college hockey scene there. Um, even though there was like a huge youth hockey scene there. As much as I like like would like to see a team in Chicago, I think if you go Midwest, you should go Minnesota and Wisconsin because the like the rivalry that already exists there yes. is huge, and you just gotta like that's prime marketing material. And I think that's a big thing is like bringing in the college fan base. Um, we talked about this last week when we talked about um, the WNBA and their media coverage and mm-hmm. 
how I kind of asked you and speculated that like the rise in the popularity of women's college basketball lends itself well to the WNBA. I think the same thing could happen here with that. Um, that's two. So yeah, in my mind, it's like five in each country. Um, okay. So it's two there in the Midwest. Boston obviously can sustain one. Uh, Buffalo. And then like the New York metropolitan area. What about Pittsburgh instead of a New York team? Hmm. I guess that would be like maybe the sixth. I guess maybe I would do six in North America or six in um, the U.S. that include Pittsburgh because I feel like if you were like in a real in a, in a in a situation where we're not starting women's hockey from scratch, we're starting it from where we are now. I think the New York metropolitan area has such a fan base already from the Riveters. That's true. That like I I wouldn't want to like squander that I guess I guess my thought is is if we're looking at like existing college fan bases I guess there are colleges in New York but I don't think of them as like major hockey cities and also like with the NHL the Islanders and the Rangers are both already there so it's kind of a saturated market yeah no that's true they do the fan base is there though with the Riveters already so like you you wouldn't be building from the ground up but, like, with Pittsburgh, we've kind of already seen, like, with some all-star games and remote games played in there, that there's, like, a, a fan base also that exists yeah. there. D.C. is another city that I think would be kind of cool, but... I could see D.C. as, like, 2.0. And maybe even Pittsburgh is, like, 2.0. Like, their first round of expansion Ooh, in, like, yeah. 10 years. Yeah, for however long it would take to expand. And then in Canada, I mean, Montreal... I think Calgary is a little far. Mm-hmm. I think Montreal, uh, Toronto for sure. Although I d- Toronto, I guess, is also kind of sports saturated, but like it's Canada, so I feel like it's a little more like it's it's a hockey focused country. Yeah. So. Um, that's what too. Where else did the CWHL play? Boston had, is obviously they out. They had teams in Brampton, but I'm not sure. I'm wondering about places that have, like, bigger, like, OHL or, like, QMJHL Mm. presences. Is that a word? Yes. Um, But I'm not sure. Maybe, like, London, Ontario or, like, somewhere else in Ontario. This is me. This is my lack of Canadian geography. Biting me in the ass. I'm Googling Ontario major cities. If they did do a Calgary, like if we aren't limiting ourselves to location, we could do Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Vancouver. They're like... Isn't Vancouver like even farther west than... Yes. But if we're not limited by geography and we want to make some west coast teams... Ooh, ooh, thought... Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Canada, North Dakota, U.S. Ooh. Again, an established hockey market. And as far as college teams go, they have a good fan base. They have in the past. And now they don't have a college team. So, again, not super close, I guess, to either any of those cities. But, like, West-ish enough. West-ish enough. Yeah. 
What do you... Okay, so where where do we have teams suddenly? Because I think we just forgot where they are. In the U.S., we had Wisconsin. We had Madison and Twin Cities. St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, we had a Boston team. We had a New York team. We had a Buffalo team. We talked about Pittsburgh and D.C. as possible expansion teams. I don't think they're in our original 10-team list. And then we had Montreal, Toronto. That's seven. And then if we do Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, that's 10. We could also do Ottawa. Ooh. Remember when we went to Ottawa? I do. We drove our tiny little Fiat. Nate Tibbetts. Okay, here are the cities that I was thinking of. So Mississauga has like a relatively, I think, prominent junior hockey fan base. You make me spell Mississauga. What? Do, how do you think it's spelled? I have it I right know. in front of me. I know I've spelled it before. It's like Mississippi, but with an agua at the end. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Mississauga is an option. Hamil- you know that one of the original CWHL teams was actually in Mississauga. I think it's very deep in the corners of my mind, but it had been shoved into a corner somewhere. Hamilton is a possibility. London, Kitchener, Ontario, all have like I think pretty successful and like men's hockey is not my forte. Junior men's hockey is even less my forte. So if they don't have great attendance numbers, like tweet at me. But like those are teams that come to mind when I think prominent Canadian junior hockey markets who have been in general successful. I know the Hamilton Bulldogs. I know the London Knights, the Kitchener Rangers, I think. I think it's interesting partnering, like, your idea to partner them with men's, like, OHL and AHL teams. Like, I guess I'm not thinking of partnerships necessarily. I'm thinking of fan bases that are already there that already like hockey. Yeah. And, and like, in, in the way that we're talking about, like, college, like, places that already have a college fan base that might also want to go see pro-level hockey, like – these are fans that are already hockey fans, and then you can market to kind of an existing fan base and then grow your attendance and ticket holder stuff by there. I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword, too, because it's like if they already have a team to cheer for, are they going to be willing to buy season tickets or go watch another league? Yeah, and like how do you compete for audience then, too? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think... I guess, like, the way the WNBA does things is, like, they're in the off-season of the NBA, which is, like, an option, but I'm not thrilled with that idea for, like, a hockey league. Oh, I had another question. If you had to pick a coach and a GM for your team, who would you have picked? Because we just did players. We didn't do staff. Hmm. A coaching staff. We just one coach. I don't think we need to go into, like, the whole... Um, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here. Are you ready? I guess it's not that far out of the box. Okay. But I am going to go with, uh, Courtney. Oh. Um. Currently Courtney Kessel, formerly Courtney Burchard. Yes. I couldn't remember if she was formerly a Kessel or currently a Kessel. So I got a little mixed up in my brain. Currently Kessel. Yes. I am going to go with Courtney Burchard Kessel. Um, I think that she came into the Furies last season in kind of a difficult spot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but with a, a largely new team, I think she said she had like, I think there were like 14 new players she had to deal with. Um, but she really turned that team, not turned them around, but she, they struggled a little bit at the beginning to come together. And I think to see such a young coach that has the ability to do that um, is invaluable. And I think, like I said, she's a younger coach and that experience is only going to grow with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has a really good relationship or she seems to have a really good relationship with the players. Well, she was a former player herself, yeah. so she gets it. Um, yeah, that's who, that's who I'm going to go with as my head coach. And then she can pick her assistant coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little, out of that answer real happy. I'm a little all over the place with mine. I feel like the obvious easy answer is Carolina Lett. That's That was where my mind went first. I also, though, am kind of tempted to pick up Katie King Crawley. Oh, see, yeah. Mm, but yeah. then I, another one that I think, who I think I've mentioned her on the podcast before, and she flies a little bit under the radar Lisa Marie Baton LaRue. I think I said that, that right. Wasn't she is an assistant coach with Montreal, also a former player, one of the co-founders of the CWHL. Yeah. And Montreal also is one. Montreal is a team who's consistently had success. The, the only reason I like I love Katie King Crowley as a coach. The only reason I hesitate is because BC has had such difficulty in like the national championship ar- arena. And so like I don't think that would be a reason to not pick her. Because I still really like her as a, a coach. But Villette was the first one that came to my mind. I do think that... I think Caro and Lisa Marie would work well together, too. Because they're both on Montreal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Courtney Burchard-Castle. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, under the radar. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this? This might be a shorter episode. No. I mean, we keep saying it's going to be a shorter episode, and we just talked for like forty-five minutes about this, <laughs> kind of in circles. But I, 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 we maybe should have called with some discussion questions. But anyway, <laughs> I, think I think we did great. I think we covered it pretty comprehensively. Okay, um, thanks for listening, Michelle. Where can we find you on social? You can find me on social at. at <laughs> I know what my name is, Michelle. <laughs> Underscore J-A-Y-3. We say I it. almost just started with the underscore J-A-Y-3. I was like, just forget my name. <laughs> um, and then I actually almost just didn't even say it and just asked, where can I find you on social, Hannah? <laughs> you uh, can find me at, where can we find you, Hannah? <laughs> you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> um, you can find me on social at, at Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3. Where can we find you, Hannah? You can find me at Hannah underscore Beavis1, B-E-V-I-S. Um, if you have topics that you want us to talk about this summer, tweet them at Michelle and I using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag. Uh, we're going a little looser this summer, assuming like nothing falls from the sky that demands our immediate attention during the off season. So uh, tweet us if you have an idea for an episode. Uh, if you have questions, start bench cuts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, tweet those at us as well. Um, um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. The ice card is
Meredith, the Disco Fever have opted for a special guest GM this round. Ladies, gentlemen, and party people of other genders, please welcome the ghost of Donna Summer. Like, what? <laughs>